Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. This is hour two on Wednesday, the 9th of March. Why do I tell you that? Because hour one might be worth going back and listening to. And for those of you who were listening um, in the first hour, let me say I did miss a reference to the obvious. Um, We broadcast from St. Paul, Minnesota, from the campus of the University of Northwestern, St. Paul. And it, it might matter to us that uh, the name of the place is St. Paul, and we might want to know the origin story of that. We were talking about the origin stories of the communities where we live. Do we actually know, you know, why something is called Fergus Falls? Have we been to the falls? Do we know why something is called Grand Rapids? Have we been to the rapids? Can we see them? Um, If we live in a a town like Kingston Springs, uh, are there springs? Are they still there? Can you see them? In 1841, St. Paul, Minnesota was settled and named St. Paul by Father Lucien Gaultier, a priest from France in honor of Paul the Apostle. Thank you so much, um, Deb, for the information, but also uh, pointing out the obvious, something I should have talked about. Um, Okay, so this is the breaking news. We don't often do, like, breaking news here on Mornings with Carmen, but today there is some breaking news that I feel... Uh, like it's worthy of our attention. So the Ukrainian government um, responded to a notice yesterday. So there's this international um, organization. It's a it's a United Nations nuclear watchdog, and they monitor nuclear material at radioactive waste facilities all over the world. Like that's their job. And they reported to not only um, the Ukrainian government, but governments around the world, they reported that the systems monitoring the nuclear material at the Chernobyl facility in Ukraine had stopped transmitting data to them. So that was the world's first warning that something had gone seriously awry at the Chernobyl facility, um, which the Russians took over at the end of February. So um, so here's what's going on, and I'm now just going to read directly from reporting by the Wall Street Journal. The Ukrainian government now says the Chernobyl nuclear power facility, controlled by the Russians, has lost power, threatening the cooling of radioactive materials stored there and risking radioactive leakage. A power line to the power plant has been cut. The Ukrainian government said on Wednesday, leaving the facility without electricity, without power, the 20,000 spent fuel assemblies that are stored there are at risk of overheating if the coolant evaporates. So um, here's apparently what happens, you know, for those of uh, for those of you who are science minded, this will not be a surprise for those of us who um, maybe didn't pay super close attention in science class. Here we go. 
So after the coolant evaporates, um, it leads to a nuclear discharge from those spent fuel assemblies. And so then once that nuclear discharge happens, um, apparently the wind can just transfer the radioactive cloud to other other regions. And it wouldn't just be, right, it's literally wherever the wind would blow um, and as far as the wind would carry it. The concern is not only for Ukraine and Belarus, because this uh, Chernobyl sits basically on the Ukrainian-Belarus border, but also right there on the Russian border as well. So if the wind blows east, it blows the radioactive um, discharge into Russia. If it blows west, it blows it into Europe. Um, And so um, the reserve diesel generators have a 48-hour capacity to power the cooling systems. Um, What is unknown is whether or not that 48 hours, you know, where we are in that 48 hours. The International Atomic Energy Agency um, is promising an update soon, um, but said panic is not warranted. So there you go. Panic is not warranted. Um, but I think, you know, concern concern certainly is. We want to be praying God's sovereignty, uh, his provision, his intervention in this situation as well as a part of the developing story of what's going on in Ukraine. All right, joining us next is John Brandon. Uh, among other things, John writes for Forbes magazine uh, across a range of um, of issues related to the digital world and digital media. And so I thought it would be helpful for John to talk with us about what's going on um, on social media related to uh, Russia and Ukraine. And then also this conversation about disinformation and misinformation, because there is a lot of it right now. And as people of truth, we want to only pass along um, what is true and good information. So that conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. now John Brandon. Um, you know him from the book, The 7-Minute Solution, which you can find at 7minutesolution.com. He also writes for Forbes. We're going to talk about some of that today. John, welcome back. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. So um, recognizing and resisting disinformation and misinformation in the digital world. Uh, disinformation, for those of you listening, is basically propaganda. It's intentionally false information, stories designed to mislead you. Misinformation is just what it sounds like, somebody getting something wrong and passing it along without knowing that they're spreading false information. Um, both are super prevalent today. How is Russia involved in all of this? Like, what do we need to be aware of on this front, John? Yeah, and as usual, I need to start with a caveat. I'm not a political expert. I do study social media, and I was on these platforms when they first started, just sort of looking back on the history of this. Misinformation wasn't as big of a problem at first because uh, some of us thought, oh, Twitter, that's where we say what we had for breakfast, or that's, you know, I'm going to the mall today, back in like 2008 timeframe. It's really evolved since then to be an unfiltered public square of opinion. And there's a lot of opinions 
Um, a lot of them are not, you know, backed up by sources and facts and things like that. Um, one thing I'd like to say to people about uh, when you're on Twitter, when you're on social media, if somebody posts something and it looks like it's just their opinion, like they don't have a news source or they don't have a quote or anything like that, always go to the next level of is that possibly misinformation? What, where did that come from? We would say as Christians that truth comes from the Bible. And, uh, and then the next step is, okay, how does this match up with the Bible? And then the third step is who's saying it? Where does the source come from? There's a process you go through to figure out if a source is good on social media or if it's just some random opinion. So I think that, you know, like verify, verify, verify. Um, I think that, though, the temptation, John, is, right, my my heart leaps, my mind, right, I'm, I have this concern, um, and I want to be sure my people know. And so I want to be, you know, I want them to be, you know, up to speed. Having people be up to speed on information that's not true is not at all helpful. So... Um, part of this is just avoiding the temptation to be the first person to pass something along. Yeah, there's there's some of that going on because we all have a human tendency to be right and to know things. We you know fear of missing out. Um, one of the things that I would say to people too is that if you see something that's a bit gossipy or salacious or you know trying to get your attention, maybe it's clickbait. That's that's the first clue that something might not be true um, because they're trying to get your attention. They're trying to get you to click. If we look back at the history of this and again on politics where I'm not an expert, but I remember seeing this on social media, things that people were saying, you know, about Hillary Clinton or about Donald Trump or whoever it was. And whenever I saw that and I thought, oh, that that statement right there is trying to get my attention. They're very effective. Um, I wrote about this just recently, uh, Carmen. I, th I find this fascinating. There's a guy named Clay Scroggins, and he actually said something. I talked about it with you on the air last time, that the reason why we get so distracted by misinformation is because distraction works, because misinformation mm. works. And so whenever it's fake news and we see this click and it's like, wow, that's something I'm really interested in. I better find out more about that. That's maybe the first time you should think to yourself, but yeah, maybe that isn't actually true. So there's a lot of misinformation out there um, and intentional disinformation related to the war in Ukraine. In fact, there are fake fact checkers out there as well. Um, one of the things I think everybody just needs to be mindful of. Um, so when we talk about disinformation or propaganda, we are talking about the battle for hearts and minds, and we are talking about a different kind of warfare. Um, and it's psychological warfare, and, you know, we as uh, the United States are really good at it. We call it PSYOPs. Um, we have a really nice name for it now in the military, M-I-S-O, Military Information Support Operations. It's still PSYOPs. It's still um, a battle for hearts and minds. It's still propaganda. We do it, too, and so we should be good at recognizing when others are doing it. And part of what's going on now um, is that we all need to be aware that Russia is very, very actively engaged in disinformation, mm -hmm. in disseminating disinformation and misinformation and having you and I pass it along to others. So that's why we're talking about this, because we are currently in a very, very active season um, of this in terms of what's being purveyed 
um, on social media. So we're going to continue our conversation with John Brandon in just a moment. I'm going to ask him, has Putin underestimated the role of social media um, and what's going on right now on that front? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. No Continuing our conversation with John Brandon, uh, you can find John at 7minutesolution.com. He also writes at Forbes.com. Um, John, let's talk a little bit about the specific use and role of social media in the war in Ukraine. And, you know, your your um, your take, has Putin underestimated the role of social media? <clears throat> yeah, this is one that I'm actually currently writing. So it's a little bit of a, a, a taste of things to come at my Forbes.com column. Um, I've been studying this for a while. Just uh, this maybe comes with a little bit of a warning for people. So you can go on Twitter and you can look at the hashtag Ukraine and you will see hundreds and thousands of uh, social media posts about Ukraine. But, uh, you know, some of them are unfiltered and some of them show little kids. And so if you do that, just a warning before you look. Now, uh, Putin in Russia has actually blocked Facebook and Twitter. So the people in Russia are not able to go on Twitter and look at these hashtags and look at these videos. Just to give you a taste of what this is like for people who maybe don't really want to go out and see all these unfiltered videos. Um, I watched one recently where there's this guy walking along and he just seems to be filming, you know, the skyline and all of a sudden there's an explosion right in front of him, you know. And then times 100, times, you know, 500, there's just all these videos and of course, whenever you have something unfiltered like that, what happens is that, you know, people are going to distort it or they're going to try to block it or say, oh, this isn't really happening. And then, of course, it doesn't help that when you go on and look at the hashtag Ukraine and watch some of these videos, it turns out that some of them are actually not from the Ukraine. Uh, some of them are from previous wars. Some of them are 10 years old. And so that, that to our earlier conversation about misinformation, I have a verse of the day for you, and it's John fourteen six. Everyone knows this. If you're a Christian, you probably know this verse. But I've been on a lot of podcasts and uh, shows promoting the book recently, and one of the things I've been doing is I've been telling people, let's just take a little bit of a break and start to breathe and start thinking about what is truth, who holds the future in their hands. And believe me, it's not Twitter. It's not social media. It's not even Instagram, believe it or not. Instagram doesn't hold your future in your hands. Uh, but if you're ever wondering about truth and how to discern truth, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's one of those things where you think to yourself, well, how am I going to figure things out? And then this verse says, well, I'm the way. And then you think to yourself, well, how do I know what's truth? And then this verse says, I, I am the truth. And then you try to figure out, well, life is hard. Things happen. All the, And then the verse says, I am the life. So if you can just think of that verse today, as you're looking at Ukraine, you're thinking about this devastation and the nuclear leaks. I have family in Europe. Uh, there are only a couple countries over from the Ukraine uh, this is this is hitting pretty close to home, uh, but you just have to rest in the fact that the truth and the life 
are found in Jesus in this verse, in the Bible, and in your own faith, in your own trust in who is the Savior. Thank you um, for that, John. That verse is John fourteen six. For those of you, you know, just looking to write it down and um, and hold fast to it today. Jesus says to us, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." So let's come to Jesus. Uh, let's walk in the way. Let's turn to Him for the truth, and let's in Him find um, find our life. Not only life eternal, but life worth living right now by the power of His Holy Spirit. John, let me ask you this. Um, we we are recognizing that the people in Russia have a, a different kind of access. Um, I, I think that it's been surprising to people like, right, once when, as soon as people pass out of Ukraine, like one of the very first things that they need is a new SIM card for their phones. Like I, there's some things happening at the level of technology, um, access to, I mean, like how does the government shut off my access to Facebook or Twitter? Like how is that happening? Uh, so technically how they turn it off is they just block the IP address to Facebook and Twitter, which sounds uh, like I'm simplifying it. But honestly, the Internet just runs by IP addresses. It's like your physical home address. And if you block that address, then you can't get at that site anymore. That's how that works. Also, I, I have known people who have been missionaries in Russia, and I don't know anyone currently who's a missionary there. But, uh, you know, there's Christians obviously living there. And if for some reason you're able to hear this, uh, you know, if you know someone who's living in Russia and they need to hear this, there are apps that get around this. And there's one called Telegram. There's one called Signal. These are uh, encrypted apps that allow you to bypass IP addresses altogether and and broadcast, you know, messages from what's called one to many. So you could do a post and someone, you know, could see it from anywhere as long as they have the app and as long as they're encrypted. And so this is a way that people are getting their message out, even those who are living in Russia. They're using apps like Telegram and just skipping social media altogether. All right. The apps are called Telegram and Signal. Yep. Those are um, two of the big ones. All right. So I think that's really helpful. That might be the most important thing that we said today on um, on radio. The apps yeah. you're looking for are Telegram and Signal. Yeah, because you never know who's listening to this. You know, we stream over the Internet. We stream over the app. Someone could be accessing this from Russia and we don't even know it. Uh, but if you know someone who's a missionary there, these these are apps that use encryption technology. So you can't tap into it. You can't read it. Um, you know, there's we can talk about this some other time. There is a way that Telegram could release this information, but I'm not as worried about that. These are safe apps to use that can broadcast information to a wide audience. That's so helpful, John. Thank you. Um, I'm glad um, I'm glad you brought us that. That is really, really helpful. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for bringing us John 14, 6 today as well. Um, as you go forth today as a person uh, walking with Jesus, you know, let us be people who turn to him. He, he alone is the way and the truth and the life. John, um, thank you so much for being with us. Have a blessed day. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You guys can find uh, John and what he's writing at Forbes.com. You can also uh, find him and his book at 7minutesolution.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio.
may be asking yourself, along with a lot of other people, are we living in the end times? There's actually an entire subculture of Christianity related to reading the signs of the end times. The challenge is um, end times folks have rung the bell a lot of times in the past. And so, um, I mean, going so far as to, you know, identify particular individuals in the past as the Antichrist. Um, And so I think that um, we have reached the stage where when we start talking about the end times, whether or not these are the end times or where we are in terms of the end times, a lot of people in the culture and a lot of Christians roll their eyes. But here's the challenge as I see it. One day, Jesus is coming back. I mean, one day, the end will come. And that comes to us either as a great comfort and hope or a terrifying threat. And so which is it for you? How do you feel about the prospect that Jesus Christ is coming again? How do you feel about the prospect that one day will be the last day, the end times? I've been uh, reading and studying and looking at Matthew 24 in relationship to this conversation. And, you know, Jesus tells his disciples in answer to the question, you know, like, when's this going to happen? Um He says, um, well, watch out that no one deceives you. Many people are going to come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah. Many people are going to be deceived. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed because such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all of these things are just the beginning of the birth pains. Then you're going to be handed over to be persecuted and put to, get, put to death. And then you're going to be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So don't miss the last verse. It's after the proclamation of the gospel as a testimony to all nations, right? That's sort of the last thing that Jesus says prior to, and then the end will come. But he does say the end will come. Now, I don't personally know anybody who has done more study thinking and praying about these things than Donna Van Leer. And she joins us next on reading the signs of the times in which we lived, anticipating Christ's return, she actually has a trilogy on it, an end times trilogy, the final book of which has been released, Daniel's final week. We're going to talk about all of that with her up next. Joining us now, Donna Van Leer. Um, The most important thing I want to tell you about her is that she is a faithful student of the scriptures. She is a sister in Christ. She is my personal friend. She is very passionate about speaking and teaching, revealing the hope of scripture um, and what the scripture has to say and and bringing um, Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. She's also a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author. Six of her novels have been turned into made-for-TV movies. And she joins us today to talk about um, the third and final book 
in her End Times series. This book is entitled Daniel's Final Week. Donna, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Good morning, my sweet friend. Um, I am well. It is great to hear your voice. Yes. Well, I, I believe the last time that we spoke, I was suffering from allergy season, and I'm doing the same thing today. So excuse my voice. <laughs> You're just fine. You're just fine. Um, I would like to start with this. Um, maybe everybody doesn't want to see the turtle. You know what? Exactly. Right. Right. So so can we start there? Because that story, um, it, it, which you include um, in here. So let's let's remind people that these novels are it's an end time series. Um, and what makes them really incredibly unique is is not only that. I mean, it's, just, it's a fantastic story. Like the characters are great. The story is great. Um, but what makes it unique is that each one of these novels Two-thirds of it is is the novel, and then the last third of the book is a Bible study. It's an exploration of Scripture. It's taking us into the Word. It's showing us where in the Word the things that you talk about in the novel um, can be found in the Scriptures. And so um, you, you tell us this story um, this time around um, about a trip that you took to Hawaii now 25 years ago, um, and this, this, stick, this is sticky, and I think it's helpful. What does it mean that everybody may not want to see the turtle? My husband and I had gone out snorkeling that day because someone told us this particular bay had the best snorkeling in the entire state. So, and boy, when we stuck our faces in the water, was that guy ever right? It was magnificent. It was incredible. And as we were finishing up our time, we were we were swimming back to shore to turn in our equipment after the two hours were over. And I saw the most enormous turtle I've ever seen in my life. His shell was so big, it's like we could have put plates on it and had lunch on top of it. That's how big this thing was. And I motioned for my husband to come over and look at this. And we were just gliding above it, just watching it because it was in, just incredible. And we were so close to shore I could hear three little girls. I could hear every word that they were saying. They were playing with their dad. That's how close they were to this turtle. And I popped my head out of water, and there was a couple that was standing there, and they were just kind of casually looking out over the bay. They were in knee-high water. And just a little ways away from them was another couple, and they were putting snorkeling gear on. And I told them, I said, right here, is the biggest turtle I have ever seen in my life. He is incredible. And he's just right here. And again, we're so close to shore. All these people had to do is just literally just take a step forward, put their face in the water if they had a snorkeling mask on and be able to, to see it. That's how close they were. They could have even just reached down and touched the thing. And we... We finished our time looking at it and just marveling over this enormous creature. And as we got out and we were walking to put our snorkeling equipment away, I kept watching the couple who I told about the turtle, the snorkeling couple, and they were still just standing there. They they weren't getting in the water at all. And I thought, well, that's so strange. I, I would be I would be on that in a minute if someone told me that. Troy and I, we put our snorkeling gear away. And then as we were walking down the beach, I noticed that this snorkeling couple 
was not getting in the water at all. They were walking away to another part of the bay and then putting their snorkeling gear on before they got in. And I asked Troy, I said, why in the world wouldn't they want to see the turtle? I told them where the turtle was. And he just nonchalantly said, well, maybe they don't want to see the turtle. And we walked just a bit. And I said, who wouldn't want to see that turtle? I told them how incredible that turtle was. Why wouldn't they put their face in the water and at least look at it? And again, he said, again, maybe they don't want to see the turtle. And I was just mad at this point, Carmen. (laughs) (laughs) Who in the world would not want to see that turtle? But then as we walked to our car, it all just it all just came together for me. I thought that is a picture of our world right now. Those mm-hmm. three little girls are people who are just busy. They're just happy playing. They're caught up in their own world, never realizing how close greatness and magnificence and beauty of our Lord is. And then there's that couple who was just standing there in knee deep water, nonchalantly looking out over the bay, pretty apathetic about the beauty that they were looking at and apathetic knowing that, boy, right there within reach, they could have just reached down and touched the top of that turtle. But again, just so apathetic, uh, apathetic about it all. And then there was that couple who was about to go snorkeling. And even after I told them about the wonder that I was seeing about the beauty and magnificence that I was looking at, they still chose to go in a completely different direction altogether. And I thought, that's our world. That's what we're living in right now. So Donna, um, again, we're talking with Donna Van Leer. Um, we're, we're getting around to talking about Daniel's final week, which is the third book in, um, in her end times trilogy. I want to, um, I want to ask the question about the end times and what to expect and whether or not, you know, like we can know where we are in terms of that conversation. But I think first I will ask maybe the obvious question. Why should we care? Like, why should we be interested? Why should the greatness and the wonder and the awe have our attention? Because that should inspire us to tell others about our Savior. We shouldn't be just sitting back complacently and apathetic. We shouldn't be caught up in our in the pleasures of our own little world that we don't want to tell other people about Christ. Because although we can't know the day or the hour that Jesus returns, and the Bible does tell us Jesus will return. That is a fact. The Bible has already had 500 prophecies that have been fulfilled with 100% accuracy. When the Bible says that Jesus will return someday, that is going to happen. That prophecy is going to be fulfilled 100%. So we know that God is a God of his word, that he does what he says. And that should just light a fire in us and say, hey, Jesus is coming back. I I want my brother to know that. I want mm-hmm. my uncle to know that. I want my grandmother to know that. I want my coworker to know that because he's coming back and he is claiming all of those who are in Christ. And over and over again, those are the two words that are used in the Bible, those who are in Christ. He's not bringing with him 
those who simply have marked Christian on a application or a form somewhere. He's not taking with him those who say, well, I'm not Muslim. I'm not Hindu. I'm not, I'm not Jewish. Therefore, I must be Christian. He's not taking those people. He's taking those who are in Christ, those who have a relationship with him, those who have claimed him as Savior. And we have to be telling people about him right now because we don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. And we know from the Bible that we are in the season of the Lord's return. Just what you read prior to this interview, Carmen, that that tells us that we are in the season because not only do we see those signs, we see them all happening at once. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. everything yeah. is converging like no other time in history. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what to expect based on what Scripture has told us. And I'm thinking that maybe we just wander around a little bit in pages 261 to 271 in the book. Um, we're talking with Donna Van Leer. We're talking about Daniel's final week. It's the third book uh, in her End Times trilogy. And a third of each one of these books is really a Bible study. It's an exploration of what God has already told us to expect. And and it, it does help us answer the question, where are we in terms of the end times? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and we'll be right back. It's like the prize. All right. Do you think the world is waiting for a Messiah? Um, would you recognize him when he shows up? Do you think Jesus is coming back? Will you recognize him when he shows up? Can you tell the difference between the two? All right. We're talking with Donna Van Leer. We're talking about uh, the final book in her End Times trilogy. This one is called Daniel's Final Week. Um, but you guys know me. I am uh, most fascinated with uh, the part of this book that is really a Bible study. So it's the third, um, the last third of the book, and it's called Where in the Word. And it's a feature of all three of these novels where Donna takes us into the Word of God to show us where um, the fictionalized things that she talks about in these novels is actually revealed and unpacked in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. You will be taken into the Bible even as you are reading this work of fiction. And I just think it is a great way to draw people into a conversation about the Bible, about prophecy, about the end times, um, and to have an opportunity for, you know, each of us to hold in our hands a book and say, well, what do you think about that? I mean, who is this mysterious leader who's returned from the dead? Um, so talk with us, Donna, about um, what to expect. Um, you un you begin unpacking this uh, at, at the end of this um, novel, and I just think it's this is one of the sort of helpful lists that you supply. What to what what should we expect as we are in the season of the end times? Well, First Timothy four actually lays out a lot of the characteristics of of the end times. It says that the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. And boy, have we seen so much of that, Carmen. We have seen mm -hmm. so many people 
just departing from the faith. They've come up with this word deconstruction uh, is what they call it, but it is what the Bible calls departing from the faith. And we keep reading about it um, from one ministry leader after another musical artist, but we keep hearing about it. And I actually heard one podcast of a, of a man in the faith who departed from the faith. And the most chilling thing that he said was, he said, I jumped off the ship and I took my wife and my kids with me into those mm. waters. Mm. And he said that like it was a badge of honor as if, as if, oh, he was so courageous that he did that. But the Bible clearly teaches us that when these things begin to happen, and that's what Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption is near. And these things have already begun to happen. And like we just said, they're not only begun, they are converging. Uh, we're also, we're also told that, uh, in this in this time, that the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they'll have itching ears and, and they'll only want to hear what they want to hear. And we are so living in that age right now, Carmen, where if that podcast doesn't please us, well, we're just going to listen to that one. If mm -hmm. that pastor doesn't have the words that we want to hear, well, we're just we're going to listen to that one. We don't like faith radio. We're going to get off of that. We're going to listen to something that suits our ears. And so that people turn away from listening to the truth. And the Bible says they wander off into myths. And the Bible warns us to be sober minded during this time. And Jesus says, watch, be aware, be, be vigilant. And that's his words to us to the church. Like you could easily be one of these people who wander off into myths. The Bible talks about a uh, doctrine of demons, that there will mm -hmm. be a doctrine of demons that is taught. Well, that sounds so harsh. That sounds, that sounds like something out of a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what we think, but the doctrine of demons is anything that teaches another gospel, teaches a different Jesus, a different spirit, and all of these people, they can look so, so good, so kind. Um, France, Francis Collins is in, is in the news a lot lady, lately. He looks so good and kind. But when we hear what he has said uh, um, when he was secretly being recorded, you think, wow, he doesn't, he doesn't sound as good and as kind as he looks. And so we're at a time right now where we have to be so sober-minded we have to pray for so much discernment and so much insight from the Holy Spirit so that we know what is good and what is from the Lord. The Bible tells us to test the spirits. And wow, are we ever at an age where we have to test the spirits and see if they are truly from the Lord or if, or if they're from Satan. Yeah, so I know if you're listening to this, you're thinking to yourself, oh, can't Donna come back and talk with us more about this? Because uh, it, it's so rich. There's so much to unpack. We want so much more. Um, the book is Daniel's Final Week. It's the third book in Donna Van Leer's uh, End Times trilogy. This one has just released, but um, really, you should read them in order and get all three. Um, and the where in the word portion of the book is the is the last third of each of these 
And I, I particularly love the portion um, of this one, Donna, where, you know, you, you know, you end right where we should end, which is, you know, Christ will return. I mean, there is a hope of glory. Um, and we, we have to know that so that we're looking forward uh, to the return of Christ with great anticipation, even as I'm living in this season of the end times with an urgent concern for those who, who are not in Christ. That's sort of the, the two parts of this for me. I'm anticipating uh, with a thrilled heart that Christ is returning. I also recognize that that return means devastating things for people who are not in Christ. So there's this urgent motivation for evangelism. Right. And it's an urgent motivation, Carmen, to be in the word, because there is so much mm. confusion right now in the world and it changes on, on a minute by minute basis. I mean, we hear one thing about the Ukraine and then an hour later we hear something different. Um, you know, we hear one thing about the Middle East. An hour later, we hear something different. So things are changing rapidly and we have to stay in the word and we have to stay in prayer. We have got to pray <laughs> For, like I said, discernment, for insight uh, from the Holy Spirit. And we, we have to pray for our world. We have to pray that God will have mercy on our world, that God Amen. will pour out his spirit. Because the Bible says that in those last days, I will pour out my spirit on all men. We have to pray, oh, Lord, please pour out your spirit on Russia. Please pour out your spirit on Ukraine, on the Middle East. We have to continually be praying this and pray over our churches and our families. And we have just got to stay awake. The, the Lord, if you, remember, if you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went further into the garden and then he came back out and there were Peter, James and John and they were sleeping. Mm -hmm. And he said, couldn't you stay awake for one hour? I feel that's what he's saying to his church today. Can't you stay awake? for one hour? Can you keep your eyes open? Can you be alert? Can you be sober-minded? Can you stay in my word? Can you walk with me through this so that you know what's happening? So that there's so much fake news, Carmen. Just the other day, we you probably saw the, the tank that everybody said was a Russian tank mm, and it went yeah. over the car and it we, turns um, out. We're going to have to draw this conversation with Donna to a close. And in fact, oh, we may... Oh, no, no, you're totally fine. Um, but will you come back? That's what everybody's asking. Will you come back? Oh, sure. Yes, absolutely. Like sooner rather than later? Yeah. Okay, I'm <laughs> counting on that as a yes. All right. So we're at completely out of time. Um, have a great day, uh, and God bless. Thank you, Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.